Simón Bolívar is best remembered as the revolutionary who helped to liberate South America from Spanish rule. But if you listened to episode 3, which I definitely recommend you do before you listen to this episode, you probably noticed we didn't get to that part of his life. This week we're going to take Bolívar back home, where he'll lead the fight to finally knock the Spanish out of South America. But independence did not mean that Bolívar was safe. The liberator would live long enough to see his dream of a united South America finally come together. But he'd also live long enough to see it fall apart. It was a dream that came very close to killing him again. This is foiled. Episode 4 La Noche Septembrina. When we last left Simon Bolivar at the end of 1815, he was in exile in Jamaica and had just escaped an assassination attempt purely by happenstance. Jamaica wasn't working out as an exile for him, for obvious reasons. Apart from the murder plot, which the Kingston newspapers claimed was the third attempt on Bolivar's life, he also wasn't drumming up as much support for his cause from the British as he'd been hoping. So at the end of the year, he left Jamaica and headed for Haiti. He was welcomed there at the beginning of 1816 by Haitian President Alexandre Pétion. Haiti had only been independent itself for a few years, having kicked the French out in 1803. The Haitian Revolution had primarily been led by formerly enslaved people and free people of color, Pétion being one of the latter. So Pétion gladly offered support to Bolivar's cause, in exchange for a promise that Bolivar would abolish slavery in the countries he liberated. Promise in hand, Pétion gave his fellow revolutionary what he needed. Thousands of guns along with ammunition, other supplies, and a few hundred soldiers and sailors from the Haitian military. Returning to South America once again, Bolivar and the other revolutionary leaders fought a series of wars for independence against the Spanish. The Third Republic of Venezuela was declared in 1817 and Bolivar was made its president. That republic wouldn't last long though, because a national congress in 1819 declared Bolivar president of a massive new nation called Gran Colombia which included what is today Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador, and Panama. Gran Colombia's capital was Bogota, the modern capital of Colombia, and so Bolivar took up residence there. His vice president was Francisco de Paula Santander, a general who had served alongside Bolivar throughout the revolution. Despite being president, Bolivar was still heavily involved in the war effort. At the Battle of Carabobo in 1821, troops under Bolivar defeated a Spanish force in a victory that all but confirmed Gran Colombian independence he had finally earned the nickname The Liberator. But he wasn't done there. While president of Gran Colombia, he supported independence movements in Ecuador and Peru. While in Quito, the modern capital of Ecuador, he met Manuela Sáenz, an Ecuadorian revolutionary. The two started a close friendship, and eventually a romantic relationship. Sáenz will be extremely important later on in this story, so do keep her in mind. By the second half of the 1820s, almost all of South America was independent from European rule and Simón Bolívar was president not only of Gran Colombia, but also of two new countries, Peru and Bolivia, the second of which was named after him. Even though the Revolutionary Wars were mostly over, Gran Colombia and Bolívar were both in danger. Bolívar at this point was practically a dictator. His regime wasn't quite as repressive as that word might suggest to you, but he did have a huge amount of power. He also didn't believe that South America was ready for a full democracy, and even though there was a republic, he was unquestionably a political strongman. He scaled back his power a little bit by leaving the presidency in both Bolivia and Peru, but he showed no intention of stepping down as president of Gran Colombia. He believed that a strong and consistent executive was needed for the republic's survival. 
So some circles of Grand Colombian politics saw Simon Bolivar as beginning to overstay his welcome in the late 1820s. In these circles, plans for a post-Bolivar Grand Colombia began to be circulated, as well as plans for how to get rid of the Liberator himself. It's important to keep in mind the timeline of all the events that we've talked about so far. I've given the broadest view of the Spanish-American Wars for Independence that I possibly can, but in reality there was a span of nearly 20 years between the first revolts to where we are now. By 1828, Simón Bolívar was 45 years old, and serving under him were young men whose entire lives had been defined by the revolution, and by Bolívar's role in politics. Some of them began to see him as a political fossil whose day had passed, and they wanted him to be put aside, by any means necessary. So a coalition of army officers formed, along with professors and students, forming a plan to remove Simón Bolívar from power. First there were talks of inciting a rebellion to overthrow him, but Bolívar was still too popular with the army and with the people of Gran Colombia, so instead they would murder him. The leader of the conspiracy was a young Venezuelan staff officer named Pedro Carujo, but there were dozens in on the plot. The conspirators approached Bolivar's vice president, Santander, who was not at all interested in being involved in a violent coup. Santander did agree that the liberator needed to go, and hinted that he might be willing to take part in a peaceful coup at some point in the future. The vice president did not tell President Bolivar about this conversation. But just because Santander didn't talk doesn't mean that nobody was talking. There were at least 60 people directly involved in this conspiracy, and rumors began to spread. Realizing they had to act before someone realized these weren't just rumors, the conspirators settled on a night. They would split into three groups. Two of them would attack two of the military barracks in the city of Bogota, and in the process, they would free Jose Padilla, a general that had been arrested under Bolivar's orders. The main group, led by Carujo, would break into the presidential palace and kill Simon Bolivar while he slept. By the evening of September 25th, 1828, rumors had already reached the presidential palace that someone in Bogota was out to get Simón Bolívar. As far as he was concerned, though, these rumors were just that, rumors, but that didn't stop him from keeping a sword and pistols near his bed. He had Manuela Sainz staying with him, and the two joked about the supposed plot against him. Simón took a bath while Manuela read to him, and then the couple went to sleep. They woke up around midnight to the sound of dogs barking and people fighting. Brujo and his men had killed the guards outside the palace and broken in. Quickly realizing what was going on, Bolivar grabbed a sword and pistol and got ready to fight. But he couldn't have known how many armed men were coming for him, and neither could Manuela. So she talked some sense into him. She convinced him to throw some clothes on and then make his way out the window. He jumped out and slipped away into the night, followed by one of his servants, a man named Trinidad, who had seen him run off. Carujo and his men burst through the bedroom door but they didn't find Bolivar there. Instead, they found Manuela Sainz with a sword in her hand. The conspirators grabbed her and demanded to know where Bolivar was. She led them in circles all around the palace, going to her room on one end, pretending to be surprised that Bolivar wasn't there, and then leading them on to another room. When he finally realized that this whole thing was a trick and that Manuela had just been stalling for more time for Bolivar, Carujo and the other conspirators beat her badly. One of Bolivar's most loyal officers, an Irish colonel named William Ferguson, heard the racket and came to help Manuela. He was shot dead by Carujo. Meanwhile, the other two groups of conspirators had mixed luck. They freed General Padilla from prison, but both groups were quickly chased off by soldiers. And none of them had any idea where Bolivar had gone. 
He and Trinidad were hiding out under a bridge, with nothing but each other's silent company and the freezing, murky water they were crouched in. They hid there for three hours until well past three o'clock in the morning, when Rafael Urdaneta, a general who was extremely loyal to Bolivar, restored order. Simón Bolivar was tired, freezing, and badly shaken, but alive. He was forever grateful for Manuela's signs and the bravery that she showed that undoubtedly saved his life. After this incident, he took to calling her La Libertadora de Libertador, the liberator of the liberator. With Bolivar back home and order restored, the conspirators were quickly rounded up, along with José Padilla, who had just escaped from jail. Vice President Santander was also placed under arrest. General Urdaneta, the loyal general who restored order, was the judge over the ensuing trial. Despite not being in on the plot, José Padilla paid the ultimate price for being broken out of jail by the assassins. He was convicted of conspiracy and executed by firing squad. About a dozen of the conspirators shared his fate. In order to save himself from execution, Pedro Carujo testified against his fellow conspirators, as well as Santander. He was thrown in prison, but after Bolivar was gone, his successor pardoned him. Carujo died a few years later, but not before taking part in another failed coup, this time in Venezuela. Back in court, Judge General Urdaneta, a hardcore Bolivarian, believed that Santander was to blame for the plot, despite not having any physical evidence to prove it. The vice president was sentenced to be shot, but the lack of evidence didn't sit right with Bolivar's council of ministers. Deciding to take their advice, Bolivar spared Santander, and rather than have him killed, banished him from the country. Simón Bolivar survived this dramatic assassination attempt, just as he had previous ones. The attacks he survived in these past two episodes were almost definitely not the only ones, but they are the most eventful and best-known incidents. Gran Colombia and its president came out of La Noche Septembrina alive, but only just. The republic began fracturing as internal revolts and external conflicts broke out. Bolivar's dream of a united South America was disintegrating, as the Federation was on the verge of splitting into separate nations. Bolivar, whose health was on the decline, called a special session of Congress in January of 1830. In a last-ditch attempt to save the Republic from himself, he resigned from the presidency, begging Congress to spare him from, quote, "...the disgrace that awaits me if I continue to fulfill a destiny that can never be free of the censure of ambition." End quote. After nearly three decades of involvement in public politics, Simón Bolívar retired. He packed his things, said goodbye to Manuela Sáenz, and got ready to leave South America, this time for good. He made his way to the north coast of Colombia, planning to sail away from his home, likely to exile in Jamaica or Europe. But he never made it. For months, if not longer, he'd been grappling with what turned out to be tuberculosis, the same disease that killed his father. Simón Bolívar died on December 17, 1830, in Santa Marta, Colombia, at the age of 47. Gran Colombia finally collapsed the following year, splitting into the nations of Ecuador, Venezuela, and New Granada. Manuela Sáenz walked away from politics, embittered by the circumstances that had driven Bolívar from power. She moved to a port village in northern Peru and lived in relative obscurity until her death in 1856. A few years before her death, she was interviewed by a former aide of Bolivar's about what happened that night on September 25, 1828. For well over a century, science had been largely forgotten in South American history. Recently, she has received more credit, not only for saving Bolivar, but also for her own career as a revolutionary leader. To say that Simón Bolivar's legacy is complicated would be an understatement. 
He was a major leader of the wave of revolutions that completely drove the Spanish from the American mainland after 300 years on the continent. All that was left of Spain's empire in the Americas was Cuba, which they managed to hold on to until 1898. The lands that Bolivar helped to liberate are now the countries of Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, and Panama. But the liberator was also something of a dictator. He ruled with a huge amount of power, which he was stubborn in giving up. Bolivar did what he could to keep his word to the Haitian president, even after Petion himself had died. He freed all of his own slaves, realizing that it was hypocritical to fight a revolution in the name of freedom while enslaving other people. He introduced and pushed for universal abolition in the constitutions he adopted, but was never able to get it fully implemented. It would be the 1850s before slavery was fully abolished in Venezuela, Colombia, and Peru. Bolivar fought hard for racial equality before the law, but made little effort to apply that equality to the social hierarchy. Simón Bolivar has been remembered both as a revolutionary hero and as a strongman dictator. What can't be debated, though, is that Bolivar defined South American politics for a generation. Had one of the many attempts on his life succeeded, the history of the continent could have been very different. Would he be remembered as a liberator, who did the best he could for his people, only to be struck down by traitors before his work could be done? Or would he be seen as an American Caesar, who would only ever give up power when it was taken from his cold, dead hands? It's likely that his legacy would be just as complicated as it already is, but thanks to Manuela's science, Bolivar lived long enough to step down willingly. I hope you've enjoyed this two-part episode. There will probably be others like this in the near future. You can keep up with the show by subscribing to it through your favorite streaming services, and then following us at Foiled Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned for another episode of Foiled. Foiled.